Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, for whatever is more than that is from the evil one. See how deep that is? So you have to make a decision. Choosing Jesus is a radical decision. It is not a light and airy choice. It's a radical decision to say, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. It's not a spiritual journey. It's not some sort of half-baked decision. It's a life-changing decision. It's a radical choice to say, you know what? I'm going to choose to follow Jesus. It's also a radical decision to say, you know what? I'm going to preach Jesus. There's not a person in this room who is not called to preach Jesus. And listen, let me just tell you this. I said this in the first service. I'll say this to you now. It's not just, you know what, I'm just going to preach Jesus with my lifestyle. Yes, you should. If I was to pick one, I would put the priority on lifestyle. However, you're also supposed to preach Jesus with your mouth. Doors will open. You're actually commanded to pray that in Philemon chapter 1 verse 6. Pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. So we need to be praying for open doors. And when they open, I just want you to know that you may lose friends. You may lose relationships with relatives. Mine are all gone. You're like, that's because, Tom, you're a radical. No, listen, I'm not. I don't seek out confrontation. That's contradictory to what most people think of me. I do not go around seeking out confrontation with people. I don't do that. But you know what I do do pray is that God open up the doors for me to share my faith. And sometimes that brings people in just like it did with Jesus. And sometimes that makes people go away. It repels people away. It doesn't matter because we're not called to be loved. We're called to love. And we are called to preach the word instantly, in season, out of season, reproving, rebuking, and exhorting. Only one of those is positive with all long suffering, with all long suffering, with all long suffering in doctrine. I haven't lost all my family, but I have lost most of my friends. My family does not come to me for counsel. I don't get phone calls from my family for their life, the life decisions that they're making. Nobody calls me for those things. Some of the intimacy is lost when they know that the Bible's coming whenever they talk to you. I actually told my mother, I said, listen, mom, we can go other routes. I'm just letting you know. Just tell me you don't want the Bible and I won't give it to you. So that we have a, so that we have a good relationship because of everything that I say is an offense to her for the most part. Some's not. But she's come to the church a couple times. Well, actually several times. She even worships. I don't know how that works. But anyway. But the God, choosing, choosing Jesus is a radical thing. It's not casual. It's being preached as casual. It won't be judged as casual. It won't be judged as casual. The love of most will grow cold. Do you know why? 
At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Matthew chapter 24, 10 through 13, right? Why? Why does the love of most grow cold? Because their love has no depth. They don't understand that this is a radical decision. You're turning your back on everything but Jesus. Everything. You turn, listen, if that means you turn your back on your kids, you do it. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who saves his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will save it. Matthew 10, 37 through 39. You turn your back. Listen, Christianity is not a process. It's repentance, which means what? Like Hezekiah, you turned your face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. It's a 180 degree turn now in Jesus' name. I know that contradicts what many of you have learned. It was so shocking for some of you to walk back into a church that actually preaches Bible verses. Like, what is this? I know this, but I'm not sure what it is. Oh, that's right. That's the Bible. Nobody preaches anymore because it doesn't necessarily fill churches. It does because it will if you continue and you continue to plant the seed because the word of God never returns void. Never. People are always telling me at the door, don't change. Change? I've never changed. Not one bit. Ask the people who have been around me the longest in the church. Ask Heather Dexter. Ask, ask them. Ask Heather. Ask any of the Dexters. Have you ever changed? Ask Travis, no. Travis has known me since the 90s. I coached him in football. Ask him. I was the same. I was coaching the way I pastor. <laughs> Except I used physical abuse then. <laughs> nobody, would, nobody sued you then. These are all allegations, by the way. I'm not saying this actually happened, but it's been alleged that I would go around and do what's called whistle whips. You know, everybody's got it. It's alleged, Heather. It's alleged. <laughs> Heather was in my youth group in high school, too. Everybody's got to get in the huddle like this, you know? See, their calves are exposed. So if it was not, if what they just did was not to my pleasure, I come up behind them with my whistle and they had a strap on it. And I leave these little rings on their calves. Can't do that anymore. Allegedly, that happened. <laughs> I've never changed. I know more. I'm not as stupid as I used to be, but as far as theology, I've never changed. Peter and me preached back in the day. Yeah, nothing's changed. And it never will change. I can't run from the word of God. I, listen, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I'm scared of God. I don't want your blood on my hands. If you need to hear today that you're sinning and you're not going to heaven, I'm here to tell you that. I don't care what John Calvin says. I don't care what Franklin Graham says. I don't care what Charles Stanley says. If you said a sinner's prayer, then you are living in sin. You are backslidden. You have fallen away. You need to get your life right with God. Never, never. If you've never been saved, it doesn't matter what name, how righteous you think you are. It doesn't matter that you are a good Buddhist. 
It doesn't matter that you're a good Catholic if you've never been saved. It doesn't matter that you're a good attender at Foundation Church if you've never been saved. If you've never said, Jesus, I place my sin upon your shoulders, you're not going to heaven. Simple as that. You're a homosexual, you're not going to heaven. Pornographer, you're not going to heaven. Fornicator, you're not going to heaven. See, I've never changed. Amen. That causes a river of people to flow out of this church. I don't change. I never will change. It's a radical thing to follow Jesus. It's quick. It's powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It's not a dull butter knife. It's not a balloon. It's quick, powerful, and sharp. You should go to a church that you're scared at. When I do attend church that's up at the river, I'm scared when I'm there. Seriously. I, uh, Pastor Rodney, when I talk to him, one-on-one, -on -one, I'm scared. What's he going to challenge me with? You, you never know. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. That's how he talks to you. Matthew chapter 4, verses 20 through 22. Listen to this radical decision made. And they straightway left their net. Jesus calls out to them. What do they do? Home, let me decide. I'll get back with you. I'll wait for the next altar call. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James and John, uh, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And they immediately left the ship, left their father, and followed him. Oh, you know, mom and dad, we've been going to Heritage Baptist Church for 37.7 years can't go to the places where they speak in tongues or where they tell you you can lose your salvation. What? They didn't even, they didn't do that. They didn't go to Zebedee and go, hey, dad, what do you think? They didn't even ask. They dropped their nets and left him, the boat, every, their nets, him and the boat. Without thinking twice about it because Jesus said, come here. You don't, you don't tell Jesus, I'll get back with you. Then you're the rich young ruler. Matthew, for some of you, this is, this is hard. You need to hear this today because you're straddling the fence. You're like a gymnast there on the balance beam. Fall off on the Jesus side. Fall off. Matthew 10, 28 through 31. Then Peter began to say, see, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or, la or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Now in this time. Our church will tell you when you get to heaven, it'll all work out. That's not what Jesus said. That's not the Bible. Now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands and persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Did you see the little part in there? there there's all sorts of promises, but you need to stand in the midst of persecution. You get all of these things. I mean, wait out, wait out. You get houses, you get brothers, you get sisters, you get mothers, you get children, you get land. Listen, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. God setteth the solitary in families. Some of you, you may lose, your mother and father may spurn you because you don't take the vaccination. Well, you've got a family here. Yeah. 
You listen, I'm closer to Christians than I am my own family. I don't even know if my family could be watching right now. I love you, Aaron. I love you, Mom. I do. We got to get Jesus in common. We're unequally yoked. Amen. But he says right there, yes, you get all of these things, but you're going to be persecuted too. What Christians do, and they say, I don't want persecution, so they sacrifice everything else. You don't get the fathers. You don't get the mothers. You don't get the lands. You don't get the sisters. You don't get the brothers. You don't get the blessings because you're avoiding the persecution. Jesus comes in one beautiful package, baby. All the blessings, but yes, just like him, you're persecuted. If you're saying you're Christian, that means you're Christ-like. That means you, listen, the only thing that he was vulnerable to was what? Martyrdom. That's it, and that's the only thing you're vulnerable to. Not sickness, not disease, not sudden disaster, nothing. So you get all that, but you know what you get with it? People no likey you. That's not popular with Coast This Church and Abundant That Church. Lukewarm church on the corner. They'll do anything to not get persecuted. Say anything. And that's why they get nothing else. And that's why they're so weak. And that's why the love of most will go cold. Because they never made, they never understood the radical decision that it is to turn your back on anything and everybody else. And you follow Jesus. The nets, the boat, your own dad. Walk away and follow Jesus. I know people who ruin their lives because they're staying at their church. They've ruined their lives staying at their church. Because that's where their mom went. And that's where their dad went. Man, we put so many years here. Who cares? What's God telling you to do? God's got nothing to do with how many years you were there. God's got nothing to do with your granddad being there. Granddad's dead. What's he telling you to do now? They throw away their whole life because they're not even open to the spirit moving them to a different church, a different city, a different state. They'll never do it. Because what's most important to them is the love of man. What caused Jesus to call Peter Satan in Matthew chapter 16, verse 23? And he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. Why? No, because he was mindful of the things of man and not the things of God. Well, if I'm, I got to stay because mom was here. That's being mindful on the things of man. God, the Holy Spirit is a radical being. He will tear you down and build you up to higher heights than you could possibly ever imagine. But you got to turn your back on the world. I mean your back to it. You want Hezekiah results, then you got to act like Hezekiah. Hezekiah turned his back to the wall and prayed to the Lord, O Lord, remember how I've walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Remember, he was told by the prophet Isaiah, you are a dead man. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. 2 Kings chapter 20, 1 through 7. Hezekiah turned his back to the wall and prayed to the Lord. He turned his back on Isaiah and prayed to the Lord. Turned his face, not his back to the wall. Turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Turned his back on Isaiah. 
How offensive. He's a man. I'll go to God. Thank you. He was even telling, he was even telling Hezekiah what God had said. And he still ran to God. Turned his back on Isaiah, turned his face to the wall and prayed. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, just, I don't want to do it because it might cause the microphone to squelch. But turn your, he turned your face, turned his face, pressed it against the wall. And prayed to the Lord. Remember, O oh Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and, has done, and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says, I have heard your prayers. I have seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. Done. He turned his back, turned his back to the prophet, turned his face to the wall and went directly to God. That's what you do. It's that radical, folks. It's not casual. It's not like the modern American church. Fresh starts and new beginnings. It is not. It is a crucifixion of self. It's a crucifixion of old life. Gone in Jesus' name. Now, it's that radical or you're not in Christ. The, the rich young ruler said, you know what? I'd rather have riches. He had everything else together. He looked the part, acted the part, did the proper sacrifices. Jesus looks right to the heart. God does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He knew the heart. He knew the man had a golden idol. The man, what happened here? Now, what would happen with the rich young ruler at the ark church? For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, when I say ark church, I mean those churches calling themselves evangelical that don't preach the gospel. There's no heaven. There's no hell. There's no judgment. There's no sin. I'm okay. You're okay. Kumbaya. Puke fest. That's the ark church. In today's ark church and, and all the churches that closed, because if you closed, you don't know the Bible and you're not preaching the sword of the spirit. The rich young ruler would be accepted. Oh, you know what? You're doing good. You I mean, you look great. You've got everything in order. But there's no Holy Spirit there. There's nobody reading his heart. He was, his heart was read by Jesus, and Jesus knew he'll never make it. He may get saved today, but he won't endure until the end. And he shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth until the end shall be saved. Matthew chapter 10, verse 22, Right? He knew, Jesus knew, he won't, he won't take, this is Luke 18, 18. He won't make it. So I need to read his heart and tell him because he's going to lose in the end because what he cares about the most is his money. He wasn't even sinning, folks. He had it all together. He said, all these things I have already done. Jesus gave him a list. He said, well, great. Glad you got all those things done. Now take all that you have, sell it to the poor. I mean, get, sell all that you have and give it to the poor, right? And he went, walked away with sorrow. Jesus knew he wouldn't make it. He put the mask on. He'd take the vaccination. He'd go get his vaccine passport. Jesus knew it, knew it. They read on the podcast on Thursday night, bishop of a very large uh, Baptist denomination or Baptist church, you cannot go in their church. You cannot buy, sell, trade, or travel in their church without your vaccine passport. 
This is a church that teaches, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's why you have 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. Can't go in there. And by the way, you can't bring your, anybody who's 11 or younger, you can't come either. If you don't have your vaccine passport, you're perfectly welcome to enjoy our online services. Here we are, 18 months into 15 days to flatten the curve, and there we are, still there. Because it was all about your health from day one, right? It's all about your health from day one. It's never been about your health. Not for one day. It doesn't mean that people don't get sick from it, they do. It's got nothing to do with your health. It has to do with marking you, distancing you, controlling you and destroying you so that the world's elites can have their own personal playground on planet earth. No, thank you. It's God's earth, not theirs. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. They can do whatever they want. You can have transhumanism going on. You think, you think Mark Zuckerberg believes he's ever going to die? He doesn't. It's transhumanism. You need to look into it. It's way deeper than you think. Elon Musk is behind it. Are you going to transform, transfer your essence into some sort of computer and live for forever? Oh, really? But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will be destroyed by fire. The, element, uh, the, uh, the heavens will, be, will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. There won't be nothing left of their computers. You get, your essence can be on there all you want when it burns up. While you're burning in hell, thinking your essence is in a computer. When you get to hell, they'll be like, wait a minute. I thought I, I, thought I was going into a computer. No, you're in hell. <laughs> Enjoy the worms. See, the rich young ruler was fine as long as it didn't violate his conditions. That's people in this room, by the way. In different levels. I'm not saying necessarily heaven and hell level. It could be. It could be that you're vulnerable to heaven and hell because of your conditions. I'll follow Jesus. See a lot of single people like this. I'll follow Jesus until he comes along. I'll follow Jesus until she comes along. No, you follow Jesus no matter who comes along. As a matter of fact, you need to be asking who sent him. I'll be I'll flat out be honest with you. Most of the people that I've seen from this church who end up dating somebody, Satan sent them the person they are currently dating to pull them away because they're unequally yoked. But the rich young ruler is absolutely fine serving Jesus in his own conditions, on his own conditions. Yes, Lord, I'm good with that, but not good with this. And he walked away with sorrow. If you live like that, you're ruining your life. If your Christianity is conditioned, Tom, that's just a radical statement. You're ruining your life. Let me attack my favorite subject matter, weirdness. If you're spiritually weird, and you're like, Tom, why do you get on this? Because I love you. I want you to have a good, prosperous life where you actually can use your spiritual gifts. But you're so weird and you know you are, and you keep doing the same stupid garbage over and over and over again, thinking that someday you're going to break through. Have you noticed that you're 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, and you haven't broke through yet? 
If I'm just, you know, you're one of those people who's so annoying, you think that your annoyingness is going to finally break through to great abundant ministry. It's not. Look at me. It's not. Tom, you're mean and you have ministry. Yeah, mean works. <laughs> Weird doesn't. People are scared of you because they're afraid you're going to glom onto them. Everyone in here has been in church. You know what I'm talking about and you know who I'm talking about. It's your own experience. I'm not necessarily saying anybody here. I'm just saying, you know. And you're ruining your life because you're actually following Jesus with your own conditions. You've been, you've been confronted, you've been corrected, and you blow it off. Well, I'm leaving that church. Let me go to the next one who's desperate enough to give me some time. Some all kinds of desperate churches around here. You know, all the, American, the average size of an American church is between 40 and 60 people, and they're desperate. They're so desperate, they'll take somebody who's as weird as me to lead a Bible study. Yes. And then you go there and ruin that. And you go to the next one and ruin that. And you go to the next one and ruin that. You're ruining your life because you are following Jesus conditionally. He's telling you to drop it. Amen. Drop it. Stop being an annoying person. Well, I can quiet a room. See how that works? <laughs> Some of you are afraid to agree because you think I'm being too mean. I'm trying to save them. I've told you this story before, my buddy Rich, when he pulled my son, fell in the pool, he's done that, my son's done this three times, but this is one of the three. And his son fell in the pool before he could swim, and he started just going under. He I mean, I'm like, can he at least struggle? It's like, <laughs> where's the flailing? Same thing when I pulled him out of the pool, he just dropped to the bottom of the pool, standing on the bottom of the pool. I'm like, shouldn't you be flailing? Sunk like a rock. So I, in my manly law enforcement sort of way, was I was sitting at a table eating chicken wings and fried pickles. <laughs> I was behind the table, and my son falls in the pool and just goes to the bottom, and I did this. Ah! That's what I did. <laughs> Help him, Rich! <laughs> you know how Rich helped him? He reached down and grabbed him by the hair. Boom! He has arm, Rich's arms, the giant arms, big, strong guy. Boom, grabs him by the hair, pulls him up out of the pool. And I go, boy, I wish you wouldn't have saved him that way. <laughs> Whatever it takes to save you, I hope you're listening. If you're a man and you're a girl, knock it off. You're following Jesus conditionally. Man up. I'll give you the same advice they gave in the podcast. Who's now going to get me in trouble with my wife. If you need to know whether you're a man or not because the popular culture has polluted your mind, the bathrooms are open. Except that one. Don't go in that one. Because that's annoying. So you ought to know that too if you're an annoying person. You don't go in the middle of a worship service and flush the toilet. Why did I ever have to lock that door? How can people be that dumb? Seriously. And you're preaching a message. Anybody can hear you peeing. Everybody can hear you peeing. I got to tell you that. You're 48 years old and you go in there and start peeing. And it's dead silent here. That's so that I had to assign Heather to lock that for forever. <laughs> See, that's why, you, that's why God sends you here. That's why he puts you in this gauntlet so that he gets all, you, you can just strip off all the garbage. If you don't know whether you're a man or not, the bathrooms are open, go in there, pull your pants down. 
Stop following Jesus conditionally and lead your home. And stop being scared of your wife. And wives, stop, stop wanting them to be scared of you. I see it all the time here. Women bring their husbands here. They're addicted. They're, they're a mess. And they get throttled by me and get their life right. And their wives don't like it that they're becoming the head of their home. And they pull them from the church. Seriously, it's been more than once. You know how radical it is, speaking of husbands and wives and churches? You know how radical you have to be? If your husband leaves or your wife leaves and you don't want to leave because the Holy Spirit has told you to stay, what should you do? Stay. You stay. They don't want to be here. Oh, well. Holy Spirit trumps wife. You're not going to be married in heaven anyway. And some of you are saying hallelujah. The day I'm free. Stop following Jesus conditionally. It's all in, Lord, where you lead me, I will follow. I haven't had a weekend for 17 years. I was pushing around for 13 of the, uh, 13 of the 17 years that I pastored this church. I was pushing a police car around 50, 60 hours a week. I sacrificed all my weekends for, forever. It's worth it. I don't follow them conditionally. Tom, I want you to pastor a church. I fought it for a little bit. I did, just being transparent. Six months. Well, I'll keep praying. Tom, I've already told you, start the church. All right, I'm praying, I'm praying. <laughs> start the church. Oh, yeah, I got you, Lord, I'm praying. People didn't think I should. People knew I, there's people, ask Pete. There's people who are probably like, no, he shouldn't start a church. <laughs> God told me to start it. I know, listen, I, know, I never claimed perfection. I've been a royal jerk in churches. I'm just telling you that God told me to start a church. It's not conditional. You don't go, you know, maybe. And it came down to it. I said, Lord, do you want me to start a church? And he answers to me in my spirit, either start it or don't start it, but never talk to me again about it. Okay, I'm going to get that started then, Lord. Um, (laughs) I went and borrowed $10,000 and started this church. The same guy who saved my kid out of the pool loaned me $10,000. And we started this church and bought speakers. I don't know if there's any of them left and not here anymore. Aaron would never put up with that level of technology at this point. (laughs) But we don't follow them conditionally. You know, how, how about your money? Oh, here it goes. I knew that it would come. Here comes the pastor after my money. I don't even care about your money. I don't care. Whether you give or not, it's up to you. You decide whether you're the rich young ruler in that part of your life or not. You decide. You decide whether you're lukewarm financially or not. See, you can, that's what you do with lukewarm. I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'll spew you out of my mouth. You can look at that as situational or you can look at that as totality, in totality. Am I saved or am I not? But you can look at it in, in, in individual situations like healing. Am I lukewarm? Prosperity. Am I lukewarm? How are you lukewarm? Because you're, if you're double-minded, you're lukewarm. You're not all the way in. Do you believe that if you have an infirmity that God wants you well? Period. Then you're hot. If you're like, well, come what may, and if it's the Lord's will, lukewarm, lukey. 
That's, what, that's how you do things in life. You can always layer scripture. They're both for eternal things and temporal things. You layer it out. Am I a rich young ruler in my finances? Am I lukewarm in my finances? How do you know? Do you tithe? What do, what do you make? Are you the rich young ruler? And you first, you know what happens every time I receive cash? Whether it's, you know, whether it's paychecks or whether it's a lump sum or whatever it is, I go, what's 10% of it? Gone. There's no thought process. For some of you, the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That's written to Christians, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. You know what the verse is after that? But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. What's the first after that? Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, which God, lay hold on, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, which you are called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You, it's not conditional. You go like this. What did I make this week? $10,000? A thousand goes to the Lord. Done. Amen. You won't rip off the IRS, but you rip God off. Will a man rob God? Malachi chapter 3, 8 through 11. Will a man rob God? Will you, do, will you test him in this? He says test him in one area. You're broken. You won't test God. They'll open the windows of heaven and shower upon you a hundredfold that which you sow. What are you doing? Oh, it's another pastor. Even if I was corrupt and was planning a bohemian vacation right now on your dime, if you gave it as seed, God will still give it back to you a hundredfold. My son sent a hundred dollars, not a hundred dollars. How much money would he send to the other foundation church? Hundreds of dollars? Hundreds of dollars he sent to Foundation Church. $400 to Foundation Church. Happened to be the wrong one. And he tried to get it back, and they're like, oh, we don't have it. Now, I told him, he, he was like, I said, I don't, he, you know, he's disappointed, didn't go to his church or whatever. I'm like, doesn't matter to me. I said, do you look at it as seed? If it's seed... You're going to return, it's going to return 10, 20, 30, 40, 100 fold from what you, what you gave. As long as you look at it as seed. It's the same thing in anything that you give financially. Why, why would you rob God? Why would you test God? You know what I don't do? I don't poke Yahweh. I don't poke Yahweh. Nancy Pelosi is 81 years old and is a notorious 80 year long baby butcherer. See, I'd be scared if I was her walking around. Oh, you know, God is, you know, you know, God would, God's not, you know, I'll quote the local ark pastor. God's not mad at you. <laughs> Who told you that? He's angry at the wicked every day. Psalm chapter 7, verse 11. Angry at the, because he disciplines those he loves and punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. I'd be nervous if I say, I won't live that way. If I'm sinning, I get it right with God before I sleep. I don't want to wake up in hell. Tom, you shouldn't preach that way. It's the Bible. It's the Bible. It's not me. I'm, what, prove me wrong. Go ahead. 
I tell you like I warned you before, you better know your Bible. If you're going to come debate me, you better know it. Because I've already got it all memorized. All of my viewpoints that I care about are memorized. So you better come well armed. Because I've got an AR, don't come with a knife. So what are you going to do with your money from now on? Only 30 to 40% of this church ties. I won't give you the communist spiel because I throttled you with that last week. This isn't a, we're not socialists here. These lights aren't for free. What are you on, a government program? Everybody else pays and you don't? Go join the Democratic Party. Stop calling yourself a conservative. I'm not free. You got to pay me to be here. Aaron's not free. Piano's not free. Heather's not free. All the stuff that you see built is not free. And you don't give? That's pleasing to the Lord. See how quiet it is? See, it's my gift. It's my gift. It is. It's my gift. That's why nobody calls me to preach. Nobody has the guts to ask me to preach that Rodney Howard Brown because he doesn't care. He honestly does not care. It doesn't matter what goes on in his church. God sends him millions of dollars all the time. Doesn't matter. He can go up and blow up a whole service. Doesn't matter because his heart's pure. Yeah. <laughs> I was with him the other day and we're sitting there and the next thing I know he's live on Instagram and pulling me into him. Hey, we're going live. There's hundreds of people watching. <laughs> Hello. Tell him about vaccines, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty-three minutes. <laughs> People are saying, "Who is this guy?" We tuned in for Rodney R. Brown, and we got some chubby, bearded dude screaming at us. Yeah, that's right. Enjoy the show. So you don't follow God conditionally. There is no your agenda. You're a love slave of Christ. It's over. Romans chapter six, verse one. It's over. You're a slave of God now. I'll take it. Amen. I would rather be a doorkeeper, a doorkeeper in the kingdom of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I choose Jesus. I'll take it. I'll take it. John chapter 6, verses 60, 61, and 66. Many disciples turn away. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? That was the end of them. Is that going to be you today because I talked to you about money? There's another guy after my money. I won't say nothing to you about your money. I don't know who gives what in this church. I know this is a difficult saying. Who can understand it? Why don't you go study to show yourself approved? See if I'm right. Instead of being offended and being a 12-year-old girl, again, I'll tell you this like I told you the first service. We're very lucky because just down the road here at this very angle, is L.A. Angel Middle School. And you can be a 48-year-old guy, and you can go there and say, I identify as a 12-year-old girl, and they'll probably let you into the seventh grade. <laughs> they'll be afraid to turn you back with today's politics. You go start whining and crying because you're offended. And being that 12-year-old girl, they'll be afraid to let you out. They won't, they'll be afraid not to let you in. I'm offended. Why? Have you studied to show whether or not you're supposed to be offended? Or are you just, are you just so carnal that you're no different? Then a 12-year-old girl full of hormones. See that quiet? It's my anointing. See it? Yeah, there, there it is. 
<laughs> I remember being with Pastor Rodney in Miami. He was preaching to a large crowd, I don't know, 1,000, 2,000 people. And he said, he made the band shut up. He likes quiet. I like loud. He likes quiet. But anyway, he goes, and he waited, and he started to hear a chuckle in the crowd. He goes, there it is. There it is. And then this whole wave of laughter took over the room, and people's getting slain in the spirit, and the place erupted like Mount Vesuvius. Okay, with me, it's like Aaron just said, oop. There it is. Dead silence. <laughs> there it is, sweeping, sweeping across the room. There it is. <laughs> Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. If you're worried about losing relationships because of your relationship with Jesus, you're following him conditionally. Let them come, let them go. See, people think when they leave this church, I stay awake at night about them. No, love you, love you, but I'm, you're not my God. I'll stay awake for Jesus. I might stay awake for Hope or for Tommy or for Norma. Even that, Hope used to get so mad at me because we get in a fight or something and I'd sleep like a baby, I'd be out. She's over there. I'm out. When you're in Christ, people are going to walk away. Jesus died alone on a cross between two criminals. All of his disciples gone. Peter denying him three times. Acting like he never knew him. It's going to happen. Because it's a radical thing to follow Jesus. It's not a casual, fresh start and new beginning. It's saying, you know what, Lord, I'm leaving all things and all people behind. doesn't mean that you don't love people. I remember somebody crawling up my shorts last week. Come out from among them and be separate. We need to be loving people. I just quoted a scripture to you. That, uh, and do credit, he quoted a scripture, but you need to take them all in, in context with one another. What what. What Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians 6, 17 is you don't think like the world. You don't act like the world. You come out from among them and be separate. doesn't mean you don't go out and reach out to the unsaved. You don't become the unsaved to win the unsaved is what he's saying. You should, you, listen, how about instead of you going and you saying, you know, we're going to reach out to people. And all the Christianese things, we're going to reach out to people. We're going to give them hope. How about instead you shine? You shine. A shining city on a hill. Is, is the city on the hill in the village on the ground? No, the, the, the people on the ground are looking up. That's what they should be doing with us. Not side by side. You're not side by side with the world. You're above the world. Don't, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be prideful. You're not following the gospel. You're not Christ-like if you think like that. You embrace who you are in Christ. It's not prideful. You're going, thank you, Jesus. So I didn't do anything. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I'm blessed and favored. Thank you that you do favor me over the lost. Thank you, Lord. There's numerous scriptures, numerous, that God favors the righteous. Numerous. 
And it's not just relationships with people, it's our relationship with the world that must change. It must change. The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he casts away the desires of the wicked. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 3. He favors you. And now you've got to know, you've got to go into your relationship with the world and say, where is it? Am I, am I Christ-like or am I worldly? See how that silence comes across the room? You know why that is? Because all of us are too worldly, including me. Too worldly. We think like the world. We act like the world. We plan our futures like the world. I know I'm talking a lot about Pastor Rodney this morning, but the Holy Spirit's putting him on my spirit. You know how he thinks? Okay, he, he lives in this giant mansion. He gives away everything. Everything. He gets a $10,000 watch, he gives it away. Cars, his personal money, gives it all away. He drives his wife crazy. Drives his staff crazy. Hey, Pastor Rodney just gave $300,000 away. Well, we don't really have that right now. Doesn't matter. It just comes in. That's how he lives his life. And everyone goes, man, I wish I had what he has. Oh, I wish I had a sports car like he has. Oh, he's one of those rich preachers. He's not, it's just, he's just, God gives it to him. Oh, why? Because he just, he's a conduit. He's not a dam. It flows through him. It doesn't stay with him. And be, I wish I could have a ministry like Jonathan Shuttlesworth. You ever hang around with Jonathan? He just gives everything away. He gives everything away. Without hesitation. That's it. And guess who Jonathan comes under? Rodney Howard Brown. Give it away. I wish I had what Jonathan had. I wish I had a ministry like he has. I wish I had a ministry like Rodney Howard Brown. Well, then give your life away. Amen. That's what they did. Give it away. And see, people don't think they're secure when they do that. They think, well, if I do that, then I'm not safe. I'm not safe. You're carnal. Remember what I read to you earlier, he'll give you everything, you just have to suffer persecution. It's a safe journey to say, I surrender all. When you say, I surrender all to Jesus, that means you're surrendering to complete and total health and safety and prosperity. With persecutions. See? You're totally safe. It's not, when you surrender to Jesus, it's not some sort of ambiguous surrender of, well, I surrender and we'll see what happens. No, you just surrender to prosperity, to health, to safety, to winning every time. It's not some sort of ambiguous thing. That's everybody who believes in the wrong doctrine of sovereignty. Sovereignty has nothing to do with God controlling all. Does everybody know that? It says that God's above all. That sounds familiar, a city on a hill. Say that he controls all. He only controls that which you're standing in the word on. If you're not standing in the word, he's in control of nothing. That's why all the Christians die young. You know why all the Christians closed all their churches and are strapping masks on and taking toxic vaccines. Let me just state for the record so that I'm clear because we have two to 3,000 watch each service online, a couple hundred people each service here in the building. I just want to make everybody clear. My yes is yes and my no is no. I will never in a million years contemplate 
taking that toxic, wretched, blood clot causing vaccine. Even on the logical side of things, why would you ever take a vaccine for a very survivable virus? Makes absolutely no sense. And just so everybody knows, and again, I feel redundant in saying this, I take my liberties with this service because we can go longer because nobody's coming in afterwards. There is no FDA-approved vaccine. And so you know, people have either been watching the podcast or you've done your own research. There is no, there is no. The only FDA-approved vaccine is what's called Comerity. Comerity is not available to the public. It's never been available to the public. And I'll bet you right now, never will be available to the public because the Pfizer vaccine, which is another arm of BioNTech, which created the Comerity vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine has no liability. They're covered for all liability. If they release Comerity and somebody drops dead, their family's going to sue them for $30 million. So if you're in the military, you do not have to be vaccinated on September 15th unless it's Comerity. Even then, you don't have to be. I'm just saying, if it's not Comerity, it doesn't, it, 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 I'll read the, the contract for, the, for when you sign up for the military is, you agree to be injected with only FDA-approved vaccines. If they come to you with anything but Comerity, you do not have to take it. And I wouldn't take it even if it was approved. I'm just telling you, that's the way that it is. It's strange how all that works out, isn't it? How they say that they have a approved vaccine now? They know darn well it's not approved. It's just like if you look at it under car, like under, you know, with cars. Car manufacturer, Chevy, Chevy has Cadillac and let's say Buick, right? Buick's been approved, Cadillac isn't, and they're claiming both are because one was. You see it? Because they're all under one company called Pfizer, but only one arm of Pfizer has been approved, and that's the one not in usage and not available. Do you see it? And then they say, look, because Chevrolet has been approved, therefore both are, no, only one has been approved. And they refused. The, the head of the FDA is a woman who's a plant for the Democratic Party. They fired the person before him, because, before her, because he refused to license that vaccine. So they put her in there, and she refused too, but said, you know what, I'll do comerity. I wonder why. Because there's not 13,000 VARES deaths that are attached to comerity. 13,000 is a small, little smidgen. It's one vein of 11 veins that feeds the VARES report. Only, only one vein is being reported. Are you aware of that? It's the Thomas Rents lawsuit has another vein of 45,000 deaths. Many people think in the United States there's 150,000 deaths from the vaccine. 32,000 out of Brazil alone. That's an absolute fact. 32,000 people in Brazil alone have died of the vaccine. That's a fact. You know why? Because they don't have a CDC to hide it. All the real information, you want real information, you need to go to the UK or Israel. Don't believe the CDC. CDC is owned by the CCP and the Democratic Party. Tom, this is, you're getting political. You're supposed to be preaching the gospel. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead, and that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the number of the beast or the name of the beast. Nobody can buy or sell. Diane preaching the gospel. 
It's Revelation chapter 13, 16 through 18. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead, and that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and that number is 666. Everybody should be preaching this when you see that most of the world is starting to come under. No one can buy, sell, or trade, or travel. Without their vaccine passports. I take back saying most of the world. A portion, a large portion of the world. I hope that it's not most. It's all all the European Union though. But here's the good news. Denmark. Denmark just said nope. It already happened with Russia. Vladimir Putin tried it all. Put out vaccine passports. All the business were going under. Denmark's learning the same thing. They just rescinded every COVID restriction. And pulled back their entire vaccine passport program. We can win this whole generation. We don't, we don't have to go down. You don't, listen, you don't need to hang your head and say, I have no future. You, you don't have a future unless you get up and fight. Yes. And if be, not be afraid to offend people. Get that stupid mask off your face. Stop social distancing. Stop closing your churches and you can win this entire generation. If you're watching overseas right now, you need to go ahead and have your church services. Yes, I love that you watch us. Thank you for watching us. But open your churches. Stand. Yes, you might be pulled out like this. I understand that. But you have to stand or your generation is gone. Your kids will never have kids. You're yielding this. You yield your generation to the spirit of the Antichrist, and it does not have to happen. We can win. We see the little winds come out. New Orleans Saints said, you know what? You cannot buy, sell, trade, or travel. You cannot come in to our stadium without your mark of the beast. Oops, I'm sorry, vaccine passport. Well, their ticket sales plummeted so bad that they're selling tickets for $1. Let the Raiders go out of business. They did the same thing. Let the cruise ships go out of business. Let the churches go out of business. Let them go. Pastor of the Baptist Church in Hollowanda, whatever. Hollowanda that right up your Hollowanda. Let them go out. Stop giving to them. Yeah, turn it sideways too. Take the hollow wanda, turn it sideways and shove it up your hollow wanda. I'm in trouble now. Thank you for that. You got me in more trouble. (laughs) I head towards the end with this. We got about 15 minutes to go. Everybody good? It's not just relationships with people. It's our relationship with the world and it must change. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have ever, everlasting life. Yes. He loved the world and he gave the world a bridge. We don't do anything else but the exact same thing. We don't go join up with the world. We don't go hand in hand with the world. We don't try to make the world feel comfortable. We don't strap a mask on because that all the lunatics in the room feel uncomfortable in our presence because we're spreading a 99.9% survival virus that they believe is the black plague. You don't win the lunatics with lunacy. 
You win the you win the lunatics by being a shining city on a hill. And they look at you going, "No, oh, he's how dare he? He doesn't wear a mask. He's not getting vaccinated. You're a shining city on a hill." Like, shouldn't it be more than this right now talking about vaccinations and masks? It's the spirit of the Antichrist. What do you want me to talk about? We're seeing in our very lifetime, 52 years on the planet right here, in our very lifetime, I never thought I'd see you can't buy, sell, trade, or travel without presenting your papers in the largest city in America. And by the way, New York's standing up. They had a huge demonstration yesterday. Huge, huge in Switzerland. Huge in Paris. Huge demonstrations of people that are standing up. They're closing businesses in Paris. They're saying, you know what, we're not going to eat in those restaurants. They're bringing their own stuff. Did everybody see the video I put on the podcast? I love that video. I wish I could be there. I can't travel, though, because I can't buy, sell, trade, or travel without my bark of the beast. I drag Aaron with me and make him come with me. We'll go there, and he and I will sit there together, have lunch on the sidewalk, and mock everybody. Right up our, that's right up our alley. Hmm, this is good food. Glad we didn't buy it there or there. Hmm, it's good. <laughs> we have to change our relationship with the world. Change it. It's radical too. It's absolutely, it, it's, it's, here's the thing. You ever see the Seinfeld episode? Turn your key, Mora. Or breaking up is like rocking, trying to knock over a soda machine. You got to do it back and forth a couple times. No, no, this is a breakup of the world now. Look at me now. Turn your key. It's a breakup now with the world. 100%. Well, Tom, don't I have to work and things? And that worldly work is of God. But if any provide not for his own, especially those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. 1 Timothy 5.8. Right? Work is of God. If anybody doesn't work, they don't. Right, there you go. That's of God. Work is of God. It's not of the world. They'll send you checks now for not working. Well, I have a disease. What's your disease? Uh, sadness. Oh, here's a check for $1,000. <laughs> What's your disease? Too many Snickers bars. Well, here's $2,000. That's of the world. We have, we have 10 million jobs available in America. Do you know that? Ten, between nine and 10 million jobs are available. And we have a high unemployment rate. Why? How could that be? Because people are making more money sitting at home than they are working. Ask the business owners in this room what it's like to try to hire people. Ask them. How many business owners? Jared's one. Raise your hand. You got a business owner. Ask him after church. Ask him what it's like to try to find somebody to hire. Good luck. Work is of God. Overwork is not of God. Do not overwork to be rich. Because of your understanding, cease. For those of you who think it's just great to be totally exhausted every day, and you start missing church, you start missing prayer, you start missing Bible study, you got to walk the line. You have to surf the wave. The wave of balance, which is the word of God. So total breakup with the world. Ten minutes to go. Everybody good? But God forbid, this is Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. The world is crucified unto me? Yeah, it's gone. 
See, I'm not trying to talk about myself, but I wish that more people were like me in this way. There's lots of ways that I don't want you to be like me, but in one that I, there's one that I do. For me, the world's gone. What I mean by that is I haven't given up on this generation. I want to, I want to turn this whole thing around. I don't mean that. But my hope is not in the world. I'm not, I'm not if, if Kamala Harris is the next president. I know, puke fest, I get it. I feel it welling up on the inside of me right now. It's not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. I will not hang my head. I never hung my head with Joe Biden. I did hang my head with Brock. I'm pretty disappointed on that one. That was on a Tuesday night. We had prayer here. I went home and sulked for like six hours. I got over it. I went and walked for hours out in the night. Help me, Lord. But I'm growing. But it doesn't matter. I'm not married to the world. I'm not, go- I'm not sitting there going, well, I hope I have money. You're married to the world if you do that. Your hope is in the world. You actually are a lover of money. You love money. God is my supply. You have to walk that line. It's scary time to walk that line. It's not once you do it. Once you've seen God come through and come through and come through and come through, your faith builds. But you got to start. You got to start. Great way to start is write your tithe check. You're like, this church must be short of money. No, we've got plenty of money. You know why? Because I don't depend on you. I'm telling you to tithe for you. We're all focused on you. Hey, you got there quick. It's all right. It it doesn't mean that you don't love people. It means that you extract yourself from the world's thinking, from its systems, and from its ways. You just pull yourself from it. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, judge the church by this. Oh, Tom, you're not allowed to judge. Who told you that? Who told you that? Who told you? Look at me. Who told you not to judge? You, therefore, have no excuse. You have passed judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you have passed judgment do the same things. Romans chapter 2, verse 1, so when do you not judge if you're doing the same things? Otherwise, you judge. Spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15. All right? That's what you do. Jesus said, judge. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So you judge the church according to this verse, verse that I've used more than any other verse in the history of this church. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So let's look at it. How's the, church, how's the church in America? Actually, it's a church worldwide. You can't even pick on the church in America anymore, uh, anymore because the church, uh, worldwide global church is just as weak as the American church. Everyone thought it wasn't. Every time you go over there, they have miracles. They're just as weak. They're all closed. They closed voluntarily, gladly, many of them. So how's the, how's the, world, how's the church doing when we're not supposed to be conformed to the pattern of the world? How distinguishable is the church from the world right now? I'm not talking about us. We're distinguishable. I live a very odd life. 
I really do. See, when, when I'm preaching, I'm here. When I'm attending, I'm at the river, and I've never seen a mask there. And the only mask that I ever saw there, Rodney kicked him out of the building. You're not even allowed in there with a mask. I live, see how sweet I am? Sweet as can be. You want to wear a mask? You can come in here. You're not going to be happy, but you can come in. You're not even allowed in the building. They have signs up. <laughs> no mask. But the, how distinguishable is the world from the church? See, for me, I live in this, my little bubble here where nobody's masked. And my family gets irritated with me because I go out and get irritated. Because I'm with them and we pull up to, you know, my mainstays, racetrack, McDonald's, whatever it is. Places where I get my sustenance. <laughs> and we pull up and I'm like, I just start my commentaries on Norma, on Hope, on Tommy. I can't believe they're all masked. <laughs> I'm standing at store staring at people and Norma's like, don't look at them. Dad, that's enough. That's enough. Can't believe they're wearing masks. Dad, there it's always this way. You just never go anywhere. Okay, I know. <laughs> I never have gone anywhere. It's not COVID that's caused me to go anywhere. I'm a homebody. That's what I do. I'm very, very good at relaxing. Stressed out, Tom. I'm not stressed out. But what does the church look like? Exactly like the world. Masked, distanced, controlled, and vaccinated. It says in the Bible, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Guess what that means? You ready? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Deeper meaning, do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world. Well, that means something. No, it means that whatever the world is doing, you shouldn't look like it. That's what it means. Well, you know, every, all Christians love to put their seasoning onto Scripture as if the Creator needs the creation to tell Him how to create. Well, yeah, but you know, these are different times, and this is a, no, it says very simple you don't do what the world does. You don't enter into the lunacy of the world. I, I love the, the new Patriot pastors out right now. Watch, here's, the, here's the, Aaron's laughing because I use it all the time. You watch this pattern now. All these, Aaron gave me this term, revisionist history pastors that are now claiming that they never closed their church. Watch them. They're coming out. They're coming out. They're saying that they never, they never closed their churches. No, they did. What should they do? Go Jesus style. Jesus style is repent. Jesus style is to not conform in the first place. And if you did, then repent of it. Not revisionist history. There's a local pastor now who's out there making fun of people and wearing masks. He was closed for months. Months closed. Oh, look at these people wearing masks. You're the idiot. And you've never come out and said a word. You're not, you, you should go join hands and you don't go kiss them on the face. Go get a mask. Be like Kamala Harris and her husband. Get a mask and kiss them on the lips. You're just like them. Anybody see that on the airport? At the airport, she's kissing her husband with masks on, two vaccinated people. And, and, and you're, no wonder God does, tells us not to conform to that. Who wants to look that stupid? See, for me, it's easy because I don't like looking like an ignoramus. Disciplining my kids was easy for me because I didn't want to be annoyed. 
Oh, I just can't spank them because if I do, we're not going to be friends. I don't care. I don't want to be annoyed. I didn't watch their shows. They had to watch all my shows. I didn't care. Mine are saved. How are yours? See what I mean? All the rest of you, oh, you know what? What do you want to watch? Well, I'll get together and we'll watch Thomas the Tank Engine and, you know, and we'll. <laughs> not me. King of Queens. <laughs> I know, you guys think I'm a horrible person. I, hey. How do you get your kids to stand, sit still, Tom? You don't want to know. You would not approve. See, but I go with the Bible. Whether, whether they approve or not, I don't conform to the pattern of the world. Oh, little Johnny. Um, okay, ready? One. Okay, that didn't work. All right, two. Two and a half. 2.75. Three. All right, candy, stat, stat, candy. Candy, come on, do what I want you to do. I never, I never. I'm not looking like that. They're prideful, Tom. I don't know what it is. I don't care. I'm not looking like that. There's a difference between pride and not wanting to look stupid. It's quiet in here because a lot of you are scared of your kids. Stop being scared of them. I need to do a class. I need to teach a class. Maybe that'll be my gift. Rodney laughing, mind silence, and teach classes on parenting. You got a kid who won't listen to you? What do you do? You win the battle. Period. Now. You got to go Jesus style. Christianity is not a process. Either it's disciplining your kids. It's now. You win it now. Period. I'll tell you this last story. I'll let you go. I got a, I got a new puppy. He's four or five months old now. Cute as can be. I mean, literally so cute. And it's painful to discipline him. And not only that, he's a big, giant baby, so you even touch him, he starts crying. Anything. Cries. Big, giant baby. I mean, he's a Malamal. He's supposed to be a manly police dog. He's a big, giant baby. And every time I'm worried, I actually look around the neighborhood. He's a connoisseur of gopher tortoise poop. He likes to find it and eat it. And I see him going for it. I'm like, no. And he stares at me. And he starts to weigh it. You see his mind clicking. It, what, are the, what are the consequences of the yay and the nay here? <laughs> and all I do, and like it, it, you're like, you, do you make a four-month-old puppy come to you? Heck, to the yeah. Yeah. He, when I call, he's coming. You, when did you start that? Day I got him, 12 weeks old. Ask my family, you're coming when I call you. I'm not living like that, sprinting around the neighborhood, trying to run Malamos, run 40 miles an hour. What am I going to do? They look back at you, laugh at you. Probably some sort of obscene gesture with their tail, you know. Whoop. Look at you, dummy. So what I do is I grab him by his scruff. He cries the whole time. I mean, it's scary crying. And I say, come. Boom. And I pull him to me. And I push him back. Come. And now he comes. Took a couple days. But now I don't live like everybody else. I don't even use a leash. I have a four-month-old puppy. I walk for, I don't know, two to three hours a day. Off a leash. Come here. 
Does he listen every time? If there's another dog around, we're struggling right now. You know what what happens to him when he struggles? He pays. We come back to retraining. Let's go. He knows it's coming too. He's on the crawling on the ground. Come. Come. That's the kind of church you should go to. Worship team, make your way. That's the kind of church you should be going to. You should come in here nervous, challenged. I can't remember whether I told you this in the first service. When I go to the river church, I'm scared when I go there. You know why? Because they challenge me. I ate lunch with Pastor Rodney this week. I'm nervous when I'm around him. He's my pastor. I'm scared of what he's going to say to me because he's going to challenge me. That's where you should be spiritually. And I urge you all, we'll continue this right where we left off last week. I urge you all, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't be worried. Don't be trying to win the lunatics by being, being a lunatic yourself. It doesn't work. Shining city on a hill where they look up to you and they say, you know what? They shouldn't be looking to their side to find Christians. They should be looking up to find Christians. The ones who are healed. The ones who have solid marriages. The ones who win every time. The ones who are prospered every time. That's what they should be looking at. The ones who are never sick. I don't expect to be sick a day in my life ever. Ever. I've had a few that have slipped through and I acknowledge it was unbelief and I'll never get sick again. Stand in the Word of God. Don't put your seasoning on it. Well, you know, I believe that, but you know, you need to use some wisdom. No, there's no wisdom that you can add to the Word of God. You don't add or subtract from the Word of God or you're adding plagues to your life. That's the Word of God too. That's awfully harsh, but it's just the Bible. It's the Word of God. And that's where we stand in Jesus' name. Amen. Speaking of standing, stand with me. Praise you, Lord. Thank you so much for joining us. We know that when there are this many people in person or watching online, that there is a chance that some have not started a relationship with Christ. If that's you, and you would like a relationship with Jesus that washes away the stain of sin, you will need to start by repenting of your sin, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and asking Him to be the Lord over your life. That means giving up control. If you have never prayed this or you have fallen away and want to return to the kingdom of life, repeat this prayer after me and mean it. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them and I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you said that prayer, you are saved. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.